Hello, and God bless you. This is Pastor Jeremy, and what a delight to be with you today on this Thursday, September 17th of 2020. It just seemed yesterday like we started the year, and here we are already on our ninth month in a in a time, right, of that we have never seen before. And uh, and I believe if there was ever a time, God is always speaking, but I think right now we are seeing the fulfillment of truly that we are living in the last days as we head into the end of days. And I think that's what we're heading right now. And all of these are just preludes of what is coming and what is here in our midst today. That's why it's so important for us uh, to gather together and and that's why we thank God for you, the listener, that uh, you join us as we uh, speak on the Word of God and fellowship, because there is safety always in the Word of God, and that's and that's what we know. The Word of God has the answer to every question, dilemma, doubt, fear that you may have. It's right here in the Word of God, and this is where we find our answers, and this is what this podcast is all about. Uh, we never intended it to be anything else, but just we, this, I believe this was birth out of pure necessity. That that's what um, we feel the Holy Spirit impressed us to just, just speak. And we've been speaking now for six, seven, eight months, never thought about it and never, never intended it to be like this, but this is the way the Lord has it. And we thank God for the places that God has taken us in these last few months and everything is connected to the coming of the Lord. It's connected to the times, to prophecy, to what God is saying in this hour. So with that thought today, um, it is a pleasure as always to be able to study the word of God here with our panel, uh, Brother Marty and Brother Fernando. It's always an honor to be able to study the word of God together more than ever before. And so with this in mind, we'll give it to Brother Marty as we continue on on this study that we have been uh on on through ASAP but really God has been having us in the background <laughs> and how yeah. this all came about. And so so I was thinking about this morning, Brother Marty, uh a lot of powerful truths that came out, but just on where this this arc of the covenant was at, you know, and uh mm-hmm. in Kerjath Jerem, right? Kerjath Jerem which yes. means, I believe, we said it means house of, of, of whores, right? Is that, the is that what we... The the city of the forest. The city of the forest, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. The city no, but, of the but, forest. Well, that's where we're going to start today. Why don't we Why don't we look at there as, as you read it in the name of the Lord, and we pray that the Lord yes. Jesus bless the people, because we're going to... We're gonna have a conversation today, and brothers, I I really want you to jump in and 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 comment as we work our way through today's study. We're gonna we're gonna try and bring it up to where tomorrow we can now begin to see what it is that uh, that Asaph was saying with with so, so much more weight as we realize where it was that Asaph was when he wrote Psalm 74, and like you said, we've been looking at the background here. And, uh, and and getting quite an education as to the times, the seasons uh, uh, that, that occurred in the historical narrative of, of the bringing up of the presence of God 
to Jerusalem by King David and, and what we've been seeing there and how it prophetically really does parallel with our time. And and so we are we are gleaning information and instruction by the Holy Spirit as to what we are to look for and what we are watching. And we are talking at, at a level of of uh, of interpretation of the scripture that requires the Holy Spirit to continually lead us and guide us. And and when when we allow that to take place, we begin to see the scripture come alive and and open doors of of understanding. It's the kind of thing that the apostle Paul said, right? <clears throat> when he wrote and said that he he always prayed for the church and, and the church he was writing to at the particular time, that the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of wisdom and and the spirit of revelation in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ would be given to the church. He said that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened so that we might know something, right? The the hope of his of his calling. And that we would also understand the glory of the riches of the Lord's inheritance in his saints. And so it's this spirit of wisdom and revelation that we call on. That is the Holy Spirit. So that we might understand, like the Lord told his apostles in the Passover night before Calvary, he told them, you know, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you and he's going to guide you. He's going to lead you into all truth. He's going to take of the Lord Jesus and show it unto us. And he said, he will show you things that are yet to come. So it is the spirit of prophecy uh, that is the Holy Spirit, which is the testimony of Jesus Christ. And and that's how we approach the scripture. And we just quoted a bunch of scriptures to you for why we approach the scriptures the way that we do. And uh, and so we are living, like Brother Jeremy said, in, in, in incredible times. Uh, and like you said, we're already nine and a half months into this year there's only two and a half months left in the year it seems like we just blinked and here it is and things are ratcheting up right i mean things are moving forward and and so uh we're going to start there what brother jeremy pointed out because there's still some nuggets that we have to look at and we're exploring again what asaph was a witness to why david selected him and obed edom another person that came into our conversation yesterday and how they ended up being the caretakers of the very ark of God in the new tabernacle built by David himself, a type of the Lord Jesus Christ. So with that kind of thought in mind, we're going we're gonna to look at some really incredible things. We pray today, as Brother Jeremy begins our, our conversation today, uh, start, Brother Jeremy, would you, uh, in chapter 13, verse 3 through 6, and we'll, and we'll begin our discussion today. We pray. Amen. Amen. And let us bring again the ark of our God to us. For we inquired not at it in the days of Saul. And all the congregation said that they would do so. For the thing was right in the eyes of all the people. So David gathered all Israel together from Shehor of Egypt, even unto the entering of Hemath to bring the ark of God from Kerjath-Jerim. And David went up, and all Israel, to Baalah, that is to Kerjath-Jerim, which belonged to Judah, to bring up thence the ark of God, the Lord, that dwelleth between the cherubims, whose name is called on it. 
Praise God. So we want to focus on <clears throat> on the situation like we've been talking about. We've seen in our study that there are many great prophetic parallels in David's attempt to bring the ark to the capital city of Jerusalem with our times. And we encourage you who've been, uh, who are just joining us today, go back and listen to those podcasts on Monday through through today uh, to, to gain the information necessary. Uh, we don't have the time to, to, to go in depth to all those things today. We're just going to pick it up from here. Uh, the events we believe that, that we've been exploring, they foreshadow the, the end times. Remember, there's a difference between the last days, the latter days, and the time of the end or the end times. The Bible refers to uh, the progression of human history after the ascension, after Jesus went back up into heaven, after suffering on Calvary, resurrecting from the dead, spending 40 days with his disciples, and then being carried up into heaven with the promise that he would return in like manner. And so from that point on, the last days began. That's what it says in the book of Hebrews, that in the days of old, he spoke by many different ways, many different signs. He spoke by the holy prophets. He said, but in the in these last days, he has spoken unto us, that is the Father, the Creator, our Lord, our Maker, by his only Son. So the last days began when God brought Jesus into the earth. Now, the Bible speaks of the latter times, and then, as we see in the book of Daniel, it also speaks of the end of time. And we believe we've quite possibly come to that very time now. And and much can be learned from the events uh, that bring understanding, uh, as we have been examining in, the, in in what David did, that really do have a, a, a very similar feel to them, and what quite possibly is happening right before our very eyes. And and what we're looking at is the exploration of how is God actually dealing with the United States of America right now. That is the church within the United States of America. We've talked at length about the progression of Christianity throughout the final, the last 2,000 years of human history and how it made its way into Western, into Western civilization and where it was predominant in its early moments of history and ultimately its decline over in Europe and, and the crossing of the ocean and the birth of a new nation, which became the United States of America. You know, brothers, I was reading yesterday... <laughs> Just because I have nothing else to do, I, I was reading uh, the inaugural address of George Washington yesterday, and uh, it was the very first speech he gave uh, for the first president, the very first inaugural address. It was quite amazing. Uh, it was almost like reading a sermon. I, I thought how strikingly different those leaders were from the leaders we have today. But what what was fascinating to me was was the language that he used in calling upon God uh, and and reckoning uh, or or calling to record the people um, that that their existence was something unique and that had never been. He called upon the nation itself to recognize that that they had to 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 square with the fact that the only reason that they were in existence and had come to be a nation to begin with had to be he said because of of the 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 divine hand of providence you know the the, the lord himself and he went on to talk about the necessity 
of acknowledging that fact if they ever hoped or our nation ever hoped to be blessed or ever hoped to to uh to to continue whereas other empires had failed and so i said that to say that the parallels between judah and israel and the united states are very similar because you have two population groups at completely different times in history however um <clears throat> but nonetheless built upon the principles of the word of god and and whose leadership called upon the lord to bless it and and you know whether we understand this or not uh you know god is god is is always a a god of history for lack of a better way to put it he he brings nations to account for covenants that have been uh sealed with god through prayer through calling upon his name by by leaders by and by by armies by by generals by nation states it's always been that way and so when we examine the scriptures and particularly under the time that we find ourselves living in right now we're really looking uh for answers from the lord and that has led us like brother jeremy said over the last seven and a half months uh, or seven months or so plus months now into these series of podcasts uh that that quite possibly um, are are revealing answers as we explore the Word of God for the times and the seasons we're living in. We find it in the Word of God. Now, I want to focus just for a few minutes before we go on in our study today on where the ark was. We talked about it before, that it came at a time of national crisis. There was a shutting down of the nation in many ways. It had been divided. You know, David assumed the throne several years before this. He was the king over Judah. He was made king in Hebron. And then the time came when he sought to unite the entirety of the nation. And that other half of the nation, if you will, had been used to being under the control of the house of Saul. But Saul had died, uh, and and so David is trying to gather all Israel, like it says in verse 5 that he gathered all of Israel, and, and he's trying to solidify his his rule, his reign. And we've been looking at David in two separate ways. One, we're looking at the man, David, just the man, his humanity, as a man. But we also know from the scripture that he's a type of Christ. He's a type of the Lord Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, in the Gospel of St. Matthew, it tells us uh, that Jesus Christ is the son of David, according to the flesh. That is uh, that is how he's identified. So 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 David can be looked at in multiple ways, and 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 that is how we've endeavored to do it. But in this instance, they go up and they try to bring the ark to Jerusalem. It's a crucial time, and what we learn here is that these events that are transpiring as we as we've been exploring them, they are prophetic in nature, and we know that by the the kinds of things that David would say later when he brings the ark into Jerusalem, the psalms that he wrote in connection with these experiences are psalms of prophecy. Do you remember uh, in 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 Luke, uh, I think it's Luke, no, it's John. Turn over to John, Brother Jeremy, would you? Let's take a look over there. So, yes. Because we're looking at, <clears throat> at psalms, which will come into play. Just remember what we're about to read here. Uh, because it's a principle that will come into play as we go on in, in, in our study today. 
uh, when the Lord appears to his disciples and he begins to uh, to to reveal to them uh, to, you know himself, he then he then appears to them and he says something very unique here. Let me see if I can find this. Let's see. Where is that scripture where he tells them that everything that happened to him had been recorded in the scripture? And he particularly mentions uh, the Psalms. Do you know which scripture I'm talking to you about? It's at the end of the Gospel of John here. I think it is. Let's see. Uh, Actually, it might be the account in Luke. Let's go over there. Luke, Luke 24? Is that it? Yeah, it's Luke 24. Yeah, you're right, brother. Where is that? Uh, he, the, the second time the you... Emmaus road? Not the one on Emmaus. It's the one after. It seems to mention... Because on Emmaus, he doesn't mention... It talks about him expounding the scriptures and all things concerning well, he, he himself. Said, uh, well, he, he said uh, what the Bible says of David, the Lord said unto my Lord, Yes, let's see. Not that one? Yeah. yeah, let's see. He specifically mentions the psalm. I hate cheating like this, but let me look at Psalms, New Testament. Yeah, it's in um it's in a uh, Luke, Luke twenty four, verse forty four, where he says that uh, okay. it was written in the law. Yeah. Go ahead and read that to us, Brother Jeremy, in verse 44. You were in the right place, you guys. And he said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. So he, he, there, what I'm pointing out is that after David brings the ark into Jerusalem, he writes a psalm. And what the Lord says about the psalms here after his resurrection is that the psalms contain prophecies about himself. And then in verse 45, this is what is required. What does it say in verse 45, Brother Jeremy? Then open he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. So this this shows us and reveals to us that and which is really cool, it's Jesus himself that unlocks our understanding. So when we uh, approach, whether it's the law of Moses, the Torah, the writings of the prophets, the Psalms, or all the scriptures, it requires an opening of the understanding. And Brother Brother Fernando, you were mentioning uh, that earlier uh, when you talked about the road to Emmaus. Can you read that to us, Brother Jeremy, in verse 27 of chapter 24? Yes. Uh, and beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And they so, drew near unto Oh, good. Yeah, and then what I wanted you to read was uh, verse 32, how they described the sensation hmm. because there was a feeling they had as he was opening their eyes. Well, first read 31 and 32 and see what they said. And their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished out of their sight. And they said unto one another, 
excuse me, and they said one to another, did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us, by the way, and while he opened to us the scriptures? There you go. So here we t here they give us an insight into what revelation is like, right? It's a sense of being lifted. There's there's this movie I love to watch all the time called Jesus of Nazareth. And there, I can't say it any better than there's a scene with Nicodemus when when the Pharisees are arguing with Nicodemus and asking him, why do you listen to this guy? And And he says in that movie, I like the way they wrote it. He says, because when I hear him preach, he says, it's as if I'm... It's as if I'm lifted out of myself, <laughs> and suddenly uh, the Word of God and all that is in it seems uh, alive, and everything is possible. Right? It's just everything is is an awe, uh, an experience of awe. So it requires the spirit of wisdom and revelation. It requires the opening of the scriptures. It's Jesus that does this, and the two on the road to Emmaus that Brother Jeremy and Brother Fernando brought up there uh, even testify of the fact that it causes it caused their hearts to burn within them their eyes were open it, it's just a beautiful way of describing it so that's how we try to approach the scriptures is that we ask god to do that to open the scripture for us by the holy spirit we're not looking for some sensation or anything like that but it is a product of discovering or when you actually realize you're 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 being uh you hear phrases like Brother Jeremy said yesterday, I sense the presence of the Lord. That's really what that means, is the, the Spirit is present. The Spirit of the Lord is present. And so when you approach the Scriptures, if you approach it reverently that way, he begins to unlock truth to us. And there we saw, as David will do when he brings the ark and finally sets it in the tabernacle, that he has written psalms that he hands over to Asaph. And and in those Psalms, when we close out the study today, we'll look at a few of those little scriptures and show you exactly how that the Lord revealed to David the end of the world through what he was about to go through here in bringing the ark to Jerusalem. So it's with that in mind that we go back again. I wanted to show you some things, a few, couple little nuggets. And guys, jump in when you can here, when you feel like it. Where we discover the ark is in verse 6. Can you read verse 6? And David, yes, and David went up and all Israel to Baalah, that is to Kirjath-Jerim, which belonged to Judah, to bring up thence the ark of God, the Lord, that dwelleth between the cherubims, whose name is called on it. Yes, so what's really interesting there is whenever the Holy Spirit does this, uh, it, it, we're meant to take note of it. And like we were talking about yesterday, where King David finds the ark is identified by two specific names, even though it's the one city. And so the Holy Spirit is obviously revealing something here to us as it pertains to the end of time. Remember, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So in this particular instance, we want to see, can we see something that relates to the prophetic scripture? Absolutely. As we talked about yesterday, the word Ba'alah, which is where the presence of God was, it's called the mountain of the lady or the, or the mistress or the sorceress or the necromancer. Those were the definitions we saw yesterday when we looked up that word. And that 
that kind of shakes you, right, when you think about it, because that is what the Holy Spirit is trying to identify, because as we see, and we've been talking about this, some of you might be saying, well, we talked about this yesterday. Yes and no. We haven't really dug into it as far as we could, but there's something that, that the Holy Spirit continues to want us to understand, and that is where the presence of the ark had come, and it was going to take a King David to bring it out. It was God himself that put that in his heart. But where he found it is very much a foreshadow, again, that word we use all the time, of the last days. And quite possibly what we are putting forth is the thesis, if you will, that the presence of God, the Ark of the Covenant, if uh, you know, for, for lack of a better word, the presence of the Lord, that which represents the Lord, uh, has been taken captive and brought to this place of the sorceress. The name Ba'Allah is a female name for Baal. If you actually do the study of what that word means, you know, they used to worship Baal, the idolaters, right? He was the thunder god, the god of rain and lightning who would give rain to their crops. So they used to worship him, the pagans. But Ba'Allah, uh, is is the female version of that? Why? So that's why it's called a sorceress instead of Lord. It's called the sorceress. It hearkens if you can hear it and receive it. It 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 is preaching to us uh, a a a concealed truth that would be revealed later, much later in the Book of Revelation. Because what this is a type of is the spirit of Babylon, the mother of harlots and how she has taken captive the presence of God, right? And it's it's in Kirjath-Jerim, which is the city of the forest. And we know from ancient times that the forest were the high places up in the mountains. And so the forest and the groves, when you read the prophets, you know how the children of Israel had, had gotten into to being uh, totally idolatrous. And they were they were serving the Lord, or at least in a religious way, but they were living like the de- like the devil, man. And they felt no conviction. They felt no sense of remorse or no sense of, uh, you know, any kind of place in their life or in their culture where they felt like there was anything wrong with having the, the, their culture filled with idols, filled with idolatry, yeah. right? And and what that behavior ultimately did was bring the presence of God to this place for a long time, which represents the spirit of Babylon. And so, yeah. go ahead, Ba'Allah, ba- Ba'Allah, <clears throat> which are, which are, it means also mistress, right? <clears throat> yes. And it, but it was a place where uh, um, sorcery was practiced, right? And you know, there was all types of magicians or what we know as wizards, right? And yeah. this is it's just amazing. This is where uh this is where the um you're talking about witches, warlocks today, all the occult, but that's where yeah. the, the ark was. And and I think about our nation today. We are filled with the occult right now. That's not it's no longer a hidden thing, you know, all around our nation. We are we are filled with sorcery, the occult, I mean witches, I mean all of this is contributing. This is what it has become, you know. 
a, a nation that you were speaking in the beginning that was a Judeo-Christian nation. Mm-hmm. Now it has become a house of all of these things. And this is, an, and by Allah, that's, that's where that place was, is where all that was. That's where the Ark of God was for, right? Uh, yeah. 20 years in the, in, in the reign of Saul, another 40 years, about 60 years. That's yes. around the place where it was. Yeah, any anywhere from sixty. Now, would you, I got a question. Would you would you say that um, the hub or I don't know uh, epicenter of this kind of uh, whoredom, spiritual whoredom, that is represented with uh, mystery Babylon, um, th- that woman that rides the beast, from from the spiritual aspect, would you say that America is the one that's producing this kind of false gospel to the rest of the world. Yeah, I think I think so. Uh and and the reason I say that is in my travels my wife, my children and I and our families and even you brothers uh, a few years ago with me, you know, we went <clears throat> all over uh Africa, well, you know, several countries there and uh in our ministry and and also uh, what we found as we traveled the world, which was really extraordinary, uh, was the great influence that has come to bear and come to rest upon the, the humble, poor churches of the third world countries. They all have satellites and they all have TVs, right? And so the yes. predominant message and doctrine that's flowing throughout the world is emanating from the United States of America, primarily controlled by the the charismatic Pentecostal wing of Christianity. <clears throat> it is the most prosperous. It is the most uh, powerfully situated to mold and to shape the message. And so what's beaming into the nations of the world is is a gospel that's not a gospel at all. It is the gospel uh, of seduction. And what, what they preach to them are, are, are signs, wonders, prosperity. It's crazy. You know what they get, but they get anything but the message of, of, of the true gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, which is Calvary, the resurrection, and the second coming of the Lord, even the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. It, when we consider where this ark is, brother, what you're talking about, when you consider where this ark is, has been resting, like Brother Jeremy said, for several decades, as we went and we encourage those listening that are just joining us, go back and listen to Tuesday or Wednesday's podcast because we gave a history through the scriptures of how it actually made its way there. It, it began uh, being uh, <clears throat> destroyed uh, 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 in battle. Uh, the children of Israel were destroyed by the Philistines and they captured the ark from the fields of battle and they took it to their territory. We looked at that. And then uh, as a result of them being in possession of, of the holiness of God, the wrath of God came down on the Philistines and they sent it back to Israel in an, in a cart drawn by, by oxen. It came to rest in the field of Joshua in the city of Beth Shemesh, as we looked at yesterday. Uh, and they set it upon the stone of Abel, <laughs> which we talked about being quite amazing, you know, which is because... There are those that believe that that stone of Abel is quite possibly where he offered the lamb. Uh, it, was a, it was a monument or the exact stone uh, where Abel had offered the lamb, a type of the Lord Jesus Christ, 
in the garden or outside the garden, excuse me, at the time of Adam and Eve and Cain. That's how ancient it was. And that's where the presence came to rest. It was as if God was saying, uh, you know, my presence is going to rest on the sacrifice, right? In the field of Joshua, why that was significant. Again, we were talking, Joshua is a type of the Lord Jesus Christ. Moses, the type of the law, could not go into the promised land. The anointing transfers to one called Ishua, which is Jesus' name, Ishua. And uh, and so that's where the presence came back to. So we see a field, we see a stone of Abel, and we see the field owned by Ishua. That's where the presence came to. It was a city of priests. And if you read the uh, the account of that ark coming to that point at that time, to Beshemesh, that city of priests, they had a big ceremony and, and they had offered sacrifices and they were all happy because the ark came back, remember? But then in their jubilation, they, they became cavalier with it. And they, they started uh, treating the ark as if it was some sort of, uh, you know, some sort of oddity, right? And they, they went and actually lifted the lid. And these are priests, right? They should have known better. They went and lifted the lid and looked into the ark. And the Bible gives us an account there uh, of, of over 50,070 people dying as a result of, of, their, of their cavalier attitude toward the holiness of God. And so what we saw then yesterday was then the ark leaves Beth Shemesh because what they proclaimed was what? <laughs> Who can abide this holy God, right? This, this God. They didn't want the prescribed way and I hate using certain words because people have hijacked them, but they didn't want the way that God uh, revealed to them was the way necessary if you want to interact with him. And so they sent him away. They sent the presence, the representation of the presence of God away from them to the men of Kirjath-Jerim, which is what we're talking about right now. And the reason I'm saying all that is to say that where we have come to today, like you were just pointing out, Brother Fernando, that spirit of Ba'Allah, the spirit of the sorceress, the spirit of Babylon. The ark uh, did not leave uh, and, and instantly end up there. It was a progression over several decades that brought it to Ba'Allah. And I think that's what we have witnessed here in this country as well, is a progression of, of the presence of God being removed from one place to the next, representing different seasons, if you will, uh, 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 of that presence, ultimately coming to a full capturing by the spirit of Babylon of the very presence of God and then controlled by a totally and completely corrupted uh, ministry represented by the house of Abinadab, Uzzah, and Ahio, as we'll check out here in a moment. So, uh, yeah, I think absolutely. I think you're Brother. right. <clears throat> All you, all you have to do is is Google the top ten richest pastors in the world. Surprisingly enough, five out of those ten um, pastors that are the richest in the world, they're all in Africa. Think about this. All wow. of them have been influenced by this prosperity yeah. gospel, and uh, and there's a lot of African brothers that, that they love God, but there's you see in their channels all these. Even sorcery things that happen, these prophets, it's just, it, it's a mixture of Christianity with a lot of uh, just, uh, 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 I don't know how to say, 
Yeah, cold, yes. But but think about it. In Africa, you know, where there's a lot of need, just like in, in just like in our countries in, in Latin America, but in Africa, five of the richest pastors are there and they all take after in some way have been influenced by the prosperity and charismatic preachers that we see in the United States. That's telling. You know, I'll give you an example. I was in Kampala, Uganda, and we were we had just went and held a crusade um, uh, in several spots of, of East Africa there, and we were getting ready to wrap up our uh, our our, uh, our missionary journey, my wife and children and I. And then we came to find out that what they were trying to conceal from us was that they had invited uh, one of the main prosperity preachers in the United States over there, Creflo Dollar. And he wouldn't come, you know, he's African-American. So, you know, you can see the connection there with the Africans. They just admire him and they wanted him to come. And so he wouldn't come unless they were able to raise, check this out. This is one of, and this is where the average income, the average annual income in Uganda was 300 U.S. dollars a year. That's less than a dollar a day, right? And he wanted... He wanted $100,000 to preach three messages. And in addition to that, he wanted an additional $600,000 for the maintenance and costs, taxes, tariffs, and jet fuel for his private plane that he was going to fly into Kampala, Uganda. And they gave it to him. That's how much they've been influenced and seduced. Another one was Benny Hinn, highly, highly touted in that area of the world. Back in the day when he was still, you know, riding high on the hog up there at the higher echelons of of, uh, of the charismatic Pentecostal establishment in this country, they brought him over there and he said he wouldn't come for less than $150,000 uh, for, for one service. And and then uh, he was charging each and every person to attend in this church that seats 10,500 people $150 to come and, and have the right to sit there and be graced by his glorious presence, I guess. And <laughs> and and <laughs> so what's my point is that they paid it. They ponied it up. And, I mean, they were selling their chickens and their goats, and pastors were coming from all over East Africa to see the great man, the great seducer, right? But this is how much this sorceress has taken uh, control of what, per, what 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 appears to be, uh, you know, the, the presence of God under their control. But really, they've hijacked it. And that's what we see in the same situation here. When David goes to get the ark, he finds it under the control of the territory of the sorceress. And it's a prophecy of the last days. The hijacking of of the gospel of Jesus Christ has taken place over a series of decades. It has progressively made its way to this point and came to rest under the control and in the territory, spiritually speaking, of Mystery Babylon, if you can see it. So what we see, therefore, and, and then there's another thing. This is just a little interesting side note because we see the sorceress. But you know that name, Brother Jeremy, uh, Kirjath Jerem? The name yes. Kirjath Jerem. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. I was I was reading something and I came across this and I looked it up and it's true. 
Kirjath Jerem is mentioned 18 times in the Old Testament. 18 mm. times. And so if you divide. Oh, oh man. <laughs> well, I got it. Yeah. Right? And what does that come out to? What, what is that? That's that's three times six, right? That's 18. That's three six, wow. six, six, six. So it's just an interesting oddity to consider that it's mentioned 18 times in the scripture. Uh, and so we see both present, if you want to look at it that way. We see the spirit of the sorceress, Ba'Allah, and we see uh, the number 666 right there in the, in that how many times the, the, the city kirjath Jerem is mentioned in the Old Testament. That's where the ark was. And 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 it was it was being kept there, and it was being kept there by a particular kind of leadership. Because what emerges from that place, right, when David goes, is a ministry of great compromise. We've seen that. We talked about it. Uh, it came out of Abinadab's house, right? Can you read that to us, brother, in verse seven? Which um, <clears throat> of uh, first, first uh, Chronicles, right? Uh, okay. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and they carried the ark of God in a new cart out of the house of Abinadab, and Uza and Ahio drave the cart. The three names are identified as coming out of the place of the sorceress and quite possibly the spirit of Antichrist, in that Kirjath Jerem is mentioned 18 times, three times six, three sixes, right? I mean, we're seeing it. And we're seeing that this kind of leadership. Uh, is keeping the presence of God surrounded by that spirit. I think that's why the Holy Spirit in verse 6 mentions Be'alah and Kirjas Jerem. It's one in the same place, but he's trying to alert us to something, right? He's trying to give us a hint here of what it is we're actually seeing. David would come to understand this over the next 90 days, right? Because we know what's going to happen because we've been talking about it. The ooze is going to die. But, but what's interesting, again, just to dig out some more nuggets here, in verse 7, we see that, that, that there's three names mentioned. Uh, Abinadab, which, which means the house of nobility or, or noble, the house of, of nobility, royalty, really. <clears throat> and that's really where Pentecostal charismatic churches have come to, even the mainline denominational churches at the higher level. You know, religion itself, whether it's Protestant religion or Roman Catholicism, it has a hierarchy. And here we see that the hierarchy is is where the the ark was taken into the house of Abinadab, the house of nobility. But his grandsons or his sons are the one in control of it. Uh, I just wanted to say this, and that's and that's a, if we parallel it, what we have seen is that the presence of God came to rest in that place, in that location. It's not it's not without note that what transpired across the, the landscape of the religious landscape in the 20th century was was driven by what was what started in its infancy as, as something good, the Eliezer aspect, if you will, uh, which who originally got the ark there. It says they brought it to him. Let's take a look at this. In in uh, I think it's I think it's first Samuel chapter seven. Brother Jeremy, can you look over there real quick? Yes. Read verse one, would you? And the men of Kerjath Jerem came and fetched up the ark 
of the Lord and brought it into the house of Abinadab in the hill and sanctified Eliezer, his son, to keep the ark of the Lord. So when it makes its way to Abinadab's house, uh, which is the presence of God, we have a priest, his son, by the name of Eliezer, and it says he was sanctified. So it starts out good. <laughs> but by the time we get to the time of David, it's now, it's no longer under the control of Eliezer. It's, it's, it's really under the control of his son in the house of Abinadab, which is Uzzah and Ahio. And And why that's important is because what we were saying, the parallels of how the progression of the presence of God, the, the spiritual aspect, if you will, that we saw emerge across the landscape of, of, of Christianity in the U.S., uh, the same thing happened. If you, if you know your history, you go back to, to 1906 at the turn of the 20th century and, and do some homework, and you'll see that, that a, a, an outpouring of what came to be known as the, as the latter-day out, outpouring or the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, a distinct and true move of God occurred in 1906. Now, there's those people within the economy of the church who don't believe anything about the Holy Spirit, so, so they, they, they don't even acknowledge what I'm telling you right now. But it occurred on Azusa Street in Los Angeles, California. It was really the product or, or the continued outflow and moving of the presence of God that had its originations in Wales and in Scotland. It came from over there, out, out, of, out of Britain, out of England, out of, those, out of the Isles over there. It started uh, with Evan Roberts, a great young man, a preacher, so full of the Spirit of God. He was only 26 years old when he uh, led this revival that occurred over there. And, and it was said of him over there in Scotland, I believe it was. Uh, I, I read an account, or I heard Brother Leonard Ravenhill share this story, and I read about it, too where he came into, I believe it was somewhere in Scotland, he came into Scotland and, and the crowds were, were packing out this, this little theater there, uh, about 800 people, which doesn't sound like much today, but they said it was bursting at the seams. And uh, they had been waiting for him. They saved him a chair at the front row. And he's only 26 years old. And everywhere he had been going, uh, the, the, this outpouring of the Holy Spirit had been occurring. It wasn't just simply in the manifestation of, of, of the book of Acts speaking with other tongues as the Spirit of God gave the utterance. What they say that the mark of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit was in those revivals was that it would descend upon the congregation and there would be this great sense of, of repentance and wailing and crying out before God. That God would move upon the people and suddenly they would be aware of just how much they needed God to cleanse them of their sins. That was the initial mark of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in such dramatic ways, accompanied with certain signs. You know, they would, they would talk about how uh, that, that a glow could be seen over the building. And you can believe it or not, you know, but that's up, up to you. But I, I tend to believe it. There were talks of great manifestations and great repentance and great salvations taking place. Well, this particular night, to give you a kind of an insight into the quality of, of what initiated these kinds of outpourings of the Holy Spirit to begin with, it was with sanctified people. It began good. Brother Roberts came into the sanctuary that night, into the meeting hall where all the people were, and they were expecting him to get up there and preach. And they had saved a seat for him on the front row, of course, and 
and the account is, is that he came in 26 years old now, don't forget this, and some of the biggest preachers across England had packed the house, the big Pharisees, if you will. Some of them were, were highly respected, but they came to see this 26-year-old man. What he did is he walked into the hall and he got on his knees at the chair there that they had saved for him, and, and he started to pray. He just got on his knees and started to pray, and he prayed for three hours straight. He then got up after three hours, and every, nobody moved. They talked about this sense of this holy awe that came into the service, and nobody moved. And then he gets up, and he says, uh, <clears throat> do you believe in Jesus? And, and then and they were like, yes, yeah. And he says, well, then you don't need me here. And he left. So they had come all that way to see him. The only thing he did was pray for, <laughs> pray for three hours. The sense of awe <laughs> filled the building. He gets up and he says, do you believe in the Lord? And they said, yes, we do. He says, well, then you don't need me. And he left. And they said that the presence of God hit the building. Praise God. <laughs> and uh, my goodness, man. You read some of these stories, and I think, God, what has happened to your presence? You know, why why we're in such trouble right now? Because <laughs> we don't have his presence. Our children are confused. Our, our streets are filled with violence. The the filth and, the, and, 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 and the debauchery that we see come out over our TV sets. You know, all the things we could go over that we're all familiar with. Why? Because we lost that holy respect and reverence for God. See, when the presence came to Kirjat Jirim, it, 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 was, it was Eliezer, a sanctified one. But by the time we get to the time of David, when he comes to retrieve the presence from the very same location it originally started at, it was now called Ba'alah, the field or the house or the hill of the sorceress, a whole new spirit had overtaken it, the spirit of, uh, of the world, the spirit of the devil. And they were particularly, they were they were totally comfortable in that environment. So from that moment of, of what I was describing to you of the, how the Spirit of God was moving across the ocean, it came to rest in 1906 under the care and the guidance of a, of a holy man by the name of William Seymour. He was blind in one eye and had had a stroke and, and, and had a kind of a, a paralyzed left arm. But what he was known for was was his his ability to seek God. He rented an old horse stable on Azusa Street in downtown L.A., and he got two old uh, orange crates or apple crates, I forget which one it was, and, and he stacked them up, and, and that was his pulpit. And he would they said he would bury his head in that crate and just began to pray. And, and he was asking God to, 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 to pour out his spirit as he had heard about was happening across the ocean in Wales. And 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 before he had gotten there, he was he was with uh, I believe his name was Charles Parham. Uh, he was part of the Kansas City uh, you know, Biblical Society or whatever, where there was an anticipation and excitement amongst the student body of which William Seymour was part. Uh, that that they were hearing about what was taking place across the ocean, and it began to cause the students to hunger for this this real encounter with the presence of God. And so, but they, but look at how bad religion had gotten to this point. Brother Seymour, whom God had selected, would be the one, the focal point by which this outpouring would come to our country in 1906, 
when he went to the Bible college there of, of, of Mr. Parham and, and the other students, he wasn't even allowed to sit in the classroom because he was an African-American at a Bible school. And they had to put they put his little chair outside the classroom and he would have to lean in with his ear so he could hear about the, the lessons that were going on. But brothers, hallelujah, <laughs> who, who men reject, <laughs> God selects. And uh, that was the one God selected. And, and he left religion, man. He made his way all the way across the, the, the country, and he came to rest in, in, in Azusa Street. And that's where the great outpouring of the presence came, through a sanctified vessel and a move of God that was marked by repentance and true turning to God. And that's how the great pentecostal churches were born but quickly out of those meetings it only lasted a couple of years but out of those meetings uh men came and, and 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 began to taint the presence and they carried it through the 30s 40s and 50s the great gospel tents that began to be taken around the country whether it was uh you know oral roberts or a.a a. allen or uh, william branham all these men uh, began to to slowly but surely defile the presence, and the message began to change. And so, what is your point in sharing all this history, Brother Marty? The same parallel happened in Judah and Israel. How the presence didn't ultimately uh, didn't start out initially in Baalah. It 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 was brought there and then corrupted, and that's why the Holy Spirit. Uh, points out the two different names in verse 6 that we're looking at here in First Chronicles, Ba'Allah and Kirjath-Jerim, the spirit of Babylon and the spirit of the Antichrist, all surrounding the presence of God. That's where we've come to today. That's what has happened in our society today. The initial sanctified presence of God was taken captive and, and, and by a house symbolized by Abinadab, and reached a status of nobility, right, of royalty. There's this, there's this upper echelon of the religious ruling elite in the United States that led the presence of God, or at least uh, what represents the presence of God, Christianity, into a position of absolute compromise. And, and who we see emerging from the house is Uzzah and Ahio, right? These are the grandsons of Abinadab quite possibly the sons of Eliezer, who themselves in the demonstration of how they, they were about to handle the ark proved that they had declined from what was once a sanctified situation into one that is now identified as Ba'Allah and Kirchad Jiro. And we have seen the same thing transpire now. The, the passing away of some of these elders in the church in the United States of America who infected the world with a compromised gospel, as Brother Jeremy was just pointing out, their sons are now in charge. They are the oozes and the Ohios of our time. And when David goes to take the ark, it's been generations or at least several multiple decades under the control of this house of Abinadab. And so that's all they knew. But look at what happens in verse 7. Can you read verse 7 again, Brother Jeremy, what they do? On that day... Then on that day, David delivered, is that, is that uh, excuse me, we're in 13, right? I think so. You could read that one. Yes, yes. Yeah. No, no, no. I was, uh, I actually pressed the 16. I'm, I'm sorry, <laughs> chapter worry. 16. You youngsters, man, that's why I carry my Bible with you, man. You need your Bible. Go ahead. 
<laughs> I got both here. I got my Bible and my iPad. And they carried the ark of God in a new cart out of the house of Abinadab. And Uzzah and Ahayu drove the cart. Incredible. And we've looked at that, right? Uh, Uzzah represents they who, who by strength of their flesh seek to guide the presence. That's really what his name means, strength. Uh, but, but also... Uh, Uzzah, in, in its deeper roots, means controlled by by the strength of the woman. That's literally what it means. But that's for another day. And then, but it does parallel with what we're talking about. And then Ohio literally means a fraternal brother or one who represents a brother. These are the two that emerge mm-hmm. from Baalah and Kirjath Jerem. And and what they do is they have a new cart. That's what Brother Jeremy just said. Now I know we've been over this the last couple of days, but there's there's things you're hearing today you you didn't hear the other two days. This new cart, what does it symbolize? It to me it symbolizes today's modern false church. Why? Well, one, it is a new way to carry the ark, right? And what does this tell us? It tells us that a new generation emerges from Ba'Allah and Kirjath Jerem carrying what is a representation of the presence of God in something new. It's a new way to carry the ark. It is what this mega church, modern Joel Osteen, T.D. Jakes, go down the list of all these guys, Copeland and all these guys, is that whole new modern aspect of, of, of pseudo-Christianity. Not to mention a a thousand other, you know, skinny jean wearing, you know, <laughs> video presenting, uh, you know, darkened church spotlight preaching preachers uh, across the land. You know, the, the, the thousand member churches, the 2000 member churches, they've all gone the same way. They've, they've tried to present the gospel in a new cart. Are you going to say something? You know, I, I was I was considering as you were talking that, um, you know, I, I grew up in a particular denomination, and there was a time where the the ones who controlled the art per se were the denominations, and there was always a fight of of, of, of attaining or, or, or of saying the move of God started with us. You know, for example, my denomination would say where I used to be. Uh, it would ours started before the 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 nineteen oh uh, the the Sousa. <laughs> it started yeah. in in the Carolina Hills or or whatever, and there right. was a sense of, of of pride in that. I remember even taking a class about the church history, not not the church biblical history, but of the denomination history, and that <laughs> book of rules and regulations was bigger than the Bible. <laughs> and and and, and what I think happened, brothers, is that a lot of people came out of those denominations disillusioned, and that's where you get all these new wave of preachers, right? But, you know, the yeah. top the denominations are still there, but they're not as big and as you know as as they used to be. Everybody's independent, and everybody, and so out of these, a lot of preachers came out uh, disillusioned, but they go deeper, and that's where you get all these. Uh, I think Hillsong was Assemblies of God. I don't know if it still is. I know it used to be. Oh, you're and, right. You know, all of these came out. Yes, yes. They, they all come out from these, um, you know, denominate Church of God in Christ, all of them. And this is what we see is all these preachers 
that came out of denominations and and and, and it's created even a more confusion you know and well, yeah, I, I began and, to see it and, and no you're right and, and what, yeah and what we see here is 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 uh in in Uza and ohio bringing the ark out in a new cart is so mm-hmm. much right like what we see today we've got all these young bucks coming up everywhere whether they're wearing suits or whether they're wearing tight jeans and they're tattooed, it doesn't matter. It's the same spirit and they have the same ideology, which Mm -hmm. is what we're going to see here, right? Is that they want to present the gospel in a new way as if they're ashamed of what it once was, right? The old way is neglected. That's one way to look at this, that the old way is neglected. But there's also another way to look at it, which represents what is that they were completely devoid of understanding of how to bring the presence of God out and how to present the presence of God, which means that they are absolutely, completely scripturally deficient in their understanding as ministers. We see both here, right? How they are today and what yeah. has led our country to this place. Remember, they're coming out of the hill of the sorcerers, right? They're coming out of the spirit of Antichrist. They're completely surrounded, yet comfortable in that atmosphere. They're completely, completely taken over by seducing spirits. And they are the grandchildren of Abinadab, the sons of Eliezer, who once was sanctified. They aren't. In the way that they bring the ark out, it is that same attitude that we have seen transpire today. Why are you saying all this? Because the mess we're in right now, the judgment Mm -hmm. that's come to this country right now, is because it's all coming to the threshing floor. It's being scrutinized. Right. Now, remember the Ark was to be represented. We're we're, we're seeing the the journey, the journey of the Ark of the Covenant. You know, um, interesting. Going through going through different hands, right? and yeah. ultimately uh, ending up in Obed-Edom's home. And we've been talking about church history. In essence, we're, we're, we're seeing the journey of the presence of God and the yeah. men that have tried to handle it. Um, and, and ultimately, we reached a point in 2020 where the churches are closed and mm-hmm. everybody's forced to go to their homes. And are we seeing a a prophecy uh, of like Obed-Edom where the, the, the presence of God is no longer in these higher places of worship, these, these megalithic right. buildings, you know, but it's now found in, in the homes oh. of people who are right. seeking God's faith and realizing, oh, my God, you know, we're, yeah. we're under judgment. Right? Yes. And, and think about that. I mean, it just <laughs> chills down my body. That that the presence of God is in the homes of those of some of us that are listening, you know, and and what are we doing with it? Mm-hmm. That's good. Think about that. That's good. The Holy Spirit is in our home, visiting us, and what are we doing with it? That's a good right? question. Right. Because, because it, it, go ahead, brother Marty. No, no, I, 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 go ahead, brother. Oh no, no, I was just gonna say it. It you know that's a good, very good point you bring out, brother Fernando. Because in essence, is what what we're studying is is. I mean, I guess we can call it a blueprint. 
you know, yes. that the Bible gives us of how to bring the presence back, right? But yes. it's it's hot, it's the application of that. <laughs> now we have to follow that blueprint. You know, the listeners, we we have to take heed to not just what what's being said, to simply know what's going on. But that that's not going to help you at all. We have the map. We have been given the blueprint. And, I, you know, and 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 what are we going to do with it? Well, you know? like brother, like brother Fernando just pointed out, you know, what we're witnessing in these stories is the progression of the moving of the Spirit of God. That's why that's why we were sharing those stories about brother Evan Roberts. Those of you who don't know who that is, look him up, Google him, check him out. Incredible young man that brought a great move of God or that God used to bring a great move of God to to to, to the British Isles. And then Brother William Seymour, you know, God, he, he became the focal point, the minister, the sanctified one by, that God used to pour out a new move of God. And so like what Brother Jeremy said and what Brother Fernando just brought out, we are witnessing the progressive move of the Spirit of God through history like it did in this time. Uh, and 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 brother king david man he goes to get it and bring it out but in doing so the holy spirit was actually revealing prophecy for the end of the world and what we would see the same thing for the spiritually discerning they would see the same pattern unfolding before their eyes and what that implies and where the presence came to rest like brother fernando said was in the house of obed edom right it came to him and like you were just saying, Brother Jeremy, it's not enough to know what happened. It's, it, we need to also uh, look around uh, and, and see what the scripture uh, is saying without saying it, you know, because, <clears throat> for, for instance, like Brother Fernando pointed out, where the presence came to rest that day, once the judgment came down upon this, this false ministry of Uzzah and Ahio, it, the, the presence was brought to Obed-Edom. And what that reveals to us is that he was not part of this system. He was completely outside of it, in his house with his family, right? He wasn't participating. And it wasn't as if King David didn't know who he was. That that would require a whole other hour of study. As, as I've been studying Obed-Edom's life, it's incredible who he is and why David actually brought it to him and 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 and, uh, and where he was located uh he's called the Gittite right and there's a particular territory where he lived where the house was and, and and maybe we'll look at that in a second but the point is this he's not there he's not part of that 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 whole procession he's separate god has separated his people right now God has taken them apart, the, the people of the house, so to speak. That is where God's people are. You know, we see this this whole, uh, this kind of ooze spirit, right, that, that's been rearing its head, trying to demand that it be allowed to do its thing, right, its church services. and It's just causing trouble. You know, and then you've got those that follow them as if there's something uh, martyr-like about, you know, sitting outside and having your services. But Obed-Edom and his family weren't part of any of that. They were off to the side. So this teaches us that they were already that kind of a quality that they could not participate in the ministries of Uzzah and Ahio, who present the ark <clears throat> in a completely newfangled way, right? A new cart. 
So there's separation already there. And where the art comes to is is the defining uh, stamp of heavenly approval. And that's what's happening right now, is that the, the presence of God is coming to multiple homes and, and, and people around the world. Uh, and in, in our nation, there are faithful saints and believers. You know, there's nothing fancy about it. It's just a servant, because that's what Ovid means, right? It's the servant's heart. So it's incredible, good points that you're making there. So again, what does this new cart symbolize? Uh, in our time, it's the modern church. It's, 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 it's the attempt to present God in a new way. It's a new way to carry the presence. That's what they think, right? They need to do. The old way is neglected. The ark was to be represented and carried by humble Levites, not by this great display, right? So the Levites were to bear the ark in a particular way. Brother Jeremy, could you read to us how they were supposed to do it? Uh, in Numbers chapter yes. 4, verse 6. Could you read that to us? Numbers yes. chapter 4, verse 6. Yes. It says, <clears throat> And shall put thereon the covering of badger skins, and shall spread over it a cloth holy of blue, and shall put in the staves thereof. What they were supposed to do, first and foremost, before it even made its its uh, presentation in the public square, was they were to take the badger skin and, and cover the top of the ark, and then on top of that badger skin, cover it with a beautiful cloth of blue. It was never to be seen. It wasn't supposed to be seen like that, uncovered. First of all, the badger skin represented the, the flesh or the body of the Lord Jesus Christ, and then the blue, which is symbolic of heaven. And so when you remove Christ from your religion, <laughs> you have shown incredible disrespect for the holiness of his Father. So they failed to cover it with badger skin. They failed to cover it with this color of blue. They failed to present Christ in the right way or with the right reverence. And they failed to put those wooden, wooden poles uh, through the, through the, there's these like little, uh, they look like little circles, uh, uh, like these little circles that were attached rings. to the four corners. Yeah, little rings, that's how you call it, to the four corners of the ark. And they would stick the wooden poles through there. Acacia wood overlaid with gold. And then once those those poles were stuck through those rings in those four corners, then the priests would come and they would lift it. This is a heavy object. It's it's gold. It's made out of gold and heavy wood. And and, and it would require the presence of the Lord to assist them to carry the presence of the Lord. It was a miracle that would take place, but none of that was taking place as they brought it out of the house of Abinadab. They put it in a new cart, number one. They didn't, they didn't go the way that God had revealed that his presence should be taken care of, which is what we've seen in our modern day, the failure over decades now, uh, culminating in what we see now in 2018, 19, and 20, uh, just the craziness where the church, the false church, the Uzzah Ahio church, out of the house of Abinadab has come. 
and that what they're supposed to do is cover it, they failed to do it. They failed to cover it with the blue cloth. They failed to use uh, the wooden poles on their shoulders. See, the ark was meant to be covered before moving it so that it wouldn't be looked upon. It was meant to convey an awe, a holiness of God. That's been removed from our culture today, has it not? <laughs> God's our buddy right. now, right? <laughs> I mean, we just, we manipulate him, right? Isn't that what those faith teachers teaches or those hyper-charismatics of Bethel and Hillsong? He's my partner. My life coach. He's, he's my life coach. <laughs> he's, my, he's my yoga instructor, God forbid. I mean, yeah. that's what they think of Jesus, right? Yeah? Yeah. We've got all these. I mean, this is crazy, man. I mean, this is absolutely crazy. And and uh, and yet, it's a new cart, right? It's a new cart. There is no gone is the is the day of of awe and holiness for God, at least amongst this bunch. So they broke that part of it. Uh, and again, the staves and the poles uh, were meant to be carried on the on the shoulders. What does that represent? That represents the cross. Yes. And and what they were to see was was Levites clothed in pure white representing the righteousness of Christ and how he would carry on his shoulders uh, and would become a man sent from heaven, he would pay the price to bring the presence of God to the world. That's what was supposed to be being preached. But when they brought it out, none of that was in order. They put it in a new cart, and it was open and accessible, and anyone could see it. It's really a disgusting thing that they did. But you see, that's what happens when you compromise with the spirit of Ba'alah, the spirit of the sorceress who seduces you into that spirit of the world. Kirjath Jiram mentioned 18 times, 3 times, 6 and 666. It's a spirit of Antichrist. That's what happens, is it strips away uh, your understanding of what the presence of God is all about. It takes away the representation of Calvary and the preaching of the gospel, and how they all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. It removes the representation of the Lord Jesus Christ from the culture's eyes, and it strips the holiness, the fear, the reverence of God from the public square. That is what's been exposed in this taking of the ark out and the ministry that was taking care of it. In David's day, that's what's happening right now in the modern day, in our time, right now. Something which the modern church, when it pertains to the cross and the holiness of God, it finds no value in it. They have made the Lord just a common thing, presented in a new way, and they have absolutely no reverence for his holiness or respect to his word. See, that presence was... was was not to be looked upon, even by the priests. It wasn't supposed to be stared at. You don't stare at God, man. I mean, even in Isaiah 6, you know, when Isaiah has his big uh, vision of the Lord high and lifted up, when he describes the cherubim that are flying before the throne room of God, he says they have six wings. With, with two, they cover their feet. With two, they cover their body. And the other two, they cover their face in the presence of God. The angels of God do this. They don't look on his holiness. That's how seriously 
compromised. What we are seeing in this story, the people of God had been brought to, led to, and were completely devoid of understanding. It is where we have come to today. It is very serious what we're talking about. Because this this is the picture revealed, right? There was no portrayal of humility and holiness of the ministry. No humbleness there. The the white fine linen and the and the sanctified ministry is missing, just as it is in our time. There's no reflection of Christ in his preachers. In those that, especially at the high levels that have this kind of access, right? Because uh, that's what this all represents. I mean, the king is there, for goodness sake. No Calvary can be seen. There's no cross. It's a new cart. It's a new way. It's our way. And it's not based on the word of God. That's the biggest problem of all. They're not preaching the word. How many messages have you seen where you don't even... They don't even take the Bible to the pulpit. Mm. I mean, they darken the churches, brothers. You know that. Mm. They turn mm. the house lights down. Why in the world would I bring my Bible if I can't even read it? You know, the preacher doesn't even mm. quote from it. He might read some kind of, you know, the uh, the, <laughs> the Las Vegas version, you know, of the scriptures. The I mean, they have all these. <laughs> <laughs> the Las Vegas version. <laughs> They have all these new fangled interpretations of the scripture, right? I mean, they just totally distort it if they quote anything. It's not word-based. And 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 what's pulling it? What's pulling it, brother? Uh it says uh what was pulling that cart is the is the oxen. What are the oxen? They're the false church. They're they're the ones that carry this whole packaged thing. They're led and guided by Uza and, and Ohio. And and they're the ones that are just carrying this thing around. They think oh, this is really I'm telling you, man, this is this is good stuff. I'm having fun if you're not. <laughs> I'm being blessed if you're not. Listen, this is this is where we're at. This these ox are, are driving the cart, right? They attach this cart to the ox. Then they come out. There's no reverence. It's new. It's just like the day. There's, there's, there's no understanding of the holiness of God. There's no representation of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no sanctification in the ministry. There's this big lumbering church that they've attached this whole mentality to, and it's bringing the ark forward as if that's the church. It's led and guided by the flesh, the arm of the flesh, Uzzah, right? And and out in front of it is Ohio, which is a representative of all the false preachers and brethren that think that think they can lead the church in the direction to Jerusalem. And what's interesting to me is then they put rather than rather than going according to the word as they're supposed to carry it like we just saw, what's gonna be the result? Because God said so back in Numbers, right? Are you still in Numbers, Jeremy? Numbers four? Uh, I can go back. Because yeah, we know what happened to Uzzah, right? He died. Uh, what happens in verse? It, it was in the word. Read verse fifteen, four fifteen. And when Aaron and his sons have made an end of covering the sanctuary and all the vessels of the sanctuary, as the camp is to set forward, after that the sons of Kohath shall come to bear it, but they shall not touch any holy thing, lest they die. 
These things are the burdens of the sons of Kohath in the tabernacle of the congregation. In other words, it was written. What happened mm-hmm. to Uzzah was written. But because he didn't understand the word and, and wasn't a man of the word, it cost him his life. It cost him his ministry. It cost him everything. This is what they did. This is how they brought the church this is how they carried uh, the representation of God in a new cart attached to a church represented by the ox, led by them in complete defiance of the word of God because they don't know it. And if they knew it, they ignored it. And, and because they didn't, they didn't go to the word, they, they did what, what they have done today. Instead of elevating the word, which we've already seen a complete disregard for, by the way, they're bringing it out in this new cart. What do they do? They they go right straight to loud music. <laughs> read, read verse 8 <laughs> of, of, yes. of First Chronicles 13, 8, right? No word. No word. We ain't, we ain't doing the word here, right? We, there ain't no scripture involved in verse 7. But they go right to verse 8. What's verse 8 say? David and David and all Israel played before God with all their might and with singing and with harps and with psalteries and with timbrels and with cymbals and with trumpets. <laughs> when Ultimately, when you come out of that, that Ba'Allah and Kirjath Jerem spirit and you've got that kind of leadership, and you have no word active nor knowledge of it, what are you left with but the show? They became Hillsong and Bethel right there, man. <laughs> yeah. Right? Uh, you, you, you become a sounding symbol. That's right. Modern worship, right? I mean, that's what we see in today's church. There's no word. It's worship. It's 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 their kind of worship. It's false. Even if they're doing it with all their might, it's false and it's out of order. Don't matter. The emphasis was not on the Lord because the Lord is represented by the ark, but look what they did to it. They uncovered it. They diminished it. It wasn't being handled as it was supposed to be. It became just this common spectacle. There's no reverence, and there's a whole bunch of loud music. Yeah. And then verse 9. And when they came unto the threshing floor of Shadon, Usa put forth his hand to hold the ark, for the oxen stumbled. Incredible. That's what happened, is that the oxen, a type of the false church, stumbled. Why did it stumble? What that literally means is it it was trying to turn to the side, but it's emphasized where they turned to the side or stumbled is the threshing floor. Check this out. What this, this is what I felt like the Spirit was telling me this morning. What, what this reveals is the desire of the false church. The reason that the oxen turned aside, uh, the Bible identifies here, it's the threshing floor. It's where the grain is. Mm-hmm. And, 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 the, and the ox were hungry. They moved toward the grain. That's what caused everything to go out of kilter. They were right at the threshing floor, and they moved to the grain, the threshing floor, to eat. It, 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 
and that's what caused everything to get all unstable because the oxen were reflecting if you can see it yeah a mo- a modern day kind of you know prosperity consumer driven false church man they moved aside out of their hunger they were driven towards the grain on the threshing floor that prosperity man they wanted to eat and and it and that's literally what it means they turned aside and when that happened their whole show got shooken up and and here uh, uh, the, the 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 minister of the false church or the representation of it, and you can you know I hope you guys are not just you but those listening you understand what we're saying here. He lifts his hand to seize the ark because it would look like it was going to fall off because they couldn't control this false church, this oxen. They're, they're now doing what they want to do, and and this is a mess, right? And when he touched it. Led by all these false brethren, Ohio, that's what his name means, fraternal brother, a false brother. He looks like a brother, but he's really not. Once they got to the threshing floor, that threshing floor, what does that threshing floor represent? It's the place of examination. The actual name, right? It means uh, Shidon, the threshing floor of Shidon. It means destruction, the sword, the javelin. Sword is a type of the word of God. It represents the word of God. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. The whole of the leadership is being examined right now. That's what's happening at this threshing floor. The ox, the the the, the new cart, the everything. It was all exposed right there, just as it's being exposed right now. And so the whole of the leadership is being examined. They have put their hand for too long to the presence of the Lord in our times. You want to know why America is under judgment? This is why. Because America isn't like any other country on the face of the earth. None. No nation has ever had its blessings bestowed upon it as this country had. We've been emphasizing this now for three days. Because this is the lesson that David needed to learn and that the people of Israel needed to learn. This is the lesson that the church in this time needs to learn. That God is an awesome and holy God. And he's long-suffering. It had been almost 60, 70 years, like Brother Jeremy pointed out, that they had been under this condition, the presence of God going from one place to the other to the other, finally coming to rest completely controlled by the spirit of Babylon and the Antichrist, led by a leadership that was completely devoid of the word and embarrassed of the old way, presenting the gospel on a new cart and, 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 and hitching it to a church. That is that is driven by hunger and lust and 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 consumerism. <laughs> oh my my my! And when it reaches, which is what's happening right now, man, it's being examined at the threshing floor. It's the threshing floor that exposed everything. The removing of the ark from the house has begun. The presence of God is being removed from that old house. Oh, I wish that we could see this and understand it. That is what has taken place, and that is what has happened, and that is what is happening. But what we know, brother, is that from that point when Uzzah died, can you read 13 and 14 again to us, Brother Jeremy? Yes. So David brought not the ark home to himself to the city of David, but carried it aside into the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, 
And the ark of God remained with the family of Obed-Edom in his house three months. And the Lord blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that he had. Praise God. This is very profound. And Brother Jeremy, I want you to read to us, if you would, Joshua chapter 19, verse 45. Because this was the territory where Obed-Edom was. The word Gittite is actually comes from the word Gath. Obed-Edom was a Philistine. He was a Gentile. He was a Gentile who, who, who fought with David. When David was running from Saul, he, he had, a, he had a, an army of about 600 men. <laughs> Obed-Edom was one of them. He's known as, 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 as the man from Gath-Ramon. That's where, the, that's where the ark came to rest, was in the house of Obed-Edom in Gath-Ramon. Read about Gath-Ramon in Joshua 19.45, would you? And Jehud and Beneberak and Gath-Ramon. Yes, Gath Ramon, that's exactly where uh, Obed Edom's house was. Why is this important? Because of what it what it means. Can you look up Gath Ramon? What does it say in the Hebrew, brother? Uh wine press of the pot of the pomegranate. Incredible. The Holy Spirit is revealing to us here why the ark came to him. David brought it to him, David a type of Christ brings the presence of God out of the house of Abinadab. This is something the Lord had me notice today, or at least asked me the question, you know, or how I heard it in my heart. Um, he said to me, he said, uh, note the wisdom that, that the Lord gave to King David. He did not take the ark back to Abinadab's house. He took it to Obed-Edom's house and to his family. Separation. See, <laughs> I don't know about you guys, but I would think logically that anything could have happened there, right? I mean, you'd say, oh, man, we messed up. Maybe God doesn't want it to be, you know, he wants it back in, at Abinadab's house, right? I mean, maybe he wants it to take it back there. David knew by the Spirit that, okay, he began to see. And God says, take it to Obed-Edom's house. And, and that house was in Gath-Ramon. That's where he was. You can study it out yourselves and see. That's where he was. And where his house was located was in the wine press of the pomegranate, which is quite amazing. Because what does that represent? Because this is who the presence is coming to. Jesus is bringing his presence to these kinds of people. Obed-Edom, first of all, was a servant, like we talked about before. He represents the humility of those uh, saints of God that are that are present right now across this country and the world. Presence of God, like Brother Fernando said so well, is coming to your house. It's already there. You sense it. But what's beautiful about this is the name of the city where his house was located is the wine press of the pomegranate. And there's things there. It's really a wine press. What is a wine press? It's It's a vat. It's where the wine is collected and held. And it's the pomegranate. And those of you who don't know Judaism don't know that pomegranate was was uh, was famous for its 613 pomegranate seeds inside of the pomegranate. It's it's represented in the house of God. It's represented on the on the garments of the high priest. It's represented within the temple 
uh, in Jerusalem when it was built, the pomegranate. Why? 613 are the amount seeds are equivalent to the amount of commandments in the Torah there are. And, and, and the pomegranate tree is an upright tree. And so it represents the word of God and, and the wine press represents the spirit of God. So in essence, we have spirit in the wine press and we have truth in the pomegranate. And this is precisely what Jesus said is the kind of person that God is looking to worship him. They that worship him in spirit and in truth. All of it, if you can see it, is what is being revealed here. That the Obed-Edom kind of person has not participated or has separated themselves from this kind of Ba'alah, Kirjath, Jerem, Abinadab, Uzzah, Ahio, all that stuff we've been talking about. Uh, people who, who came to control the presence of God in their time. But the day of reckoning came which is where I believe we are right now. The, the, the oxen has stumbled. It, it, it is, it, <laughs> Uzzah is trying with all his might to steady uh, what he has controlled for so long and the false brethren as well. But their days are over. I'm telling you, their days are over. What they're going to do now is merge themselves uh, back into the hill from which they came out and by which spirit they have been controlled, which is the spirit of Ba'Allah and Kirjath Jirim, as we have related it to you earlier in this podcast. That's what you're going to see. They will become more compromised, more crazy than you've ever seen them before. In essence, they've already died a spiritual death because they've done spite to the holiness and the reverence of God in the public square. But God is taking that presence by the Spirit of Christ and bringing it to those who worship him in spirit and in truth, the humble servants of God. And as we know, as we looked at yesterday, that presence of God uh, w was, was brought to him, Obed-Edom, and not only him, but his whole family. And everything in his house and all that belonged to him was blessed. This blessing is coming to God's people. It's already there. Those who are worshiping him in spirit and truth, he is revealing things to you in the times that we're living in. Part, I'm telling you, part of what is happening right now is that God is taking away the control of his presence or his gospel, if you will, or those who claim to represent him and is exposing them for what they really are. And not only that, but he's removing his presence by the spirit of Christ represented by David and bringing it to his humble people. Those of you who've been shut away, his presence is with you. It's coming to you. He's coming to us, all of us. And he's getting ready to bless us. He's looking for people to worship him in spirit and in truth. And what would happen is that Obed-Edom crowd, that new crowd, so to speak, he became the doorkeeper in David's tabernacle. And as we were talking about just before we started this podcast, the doorkeeper is the one who has a warlike quality about him. And, and what his pr primary job was, was to guard the presence of God and to guard the temple and the tabernacle of David so that no unclean or anything uh, that would make a, a defilement of the pure 
holy and beautiful presence of God would be allowed to enter in. That's who he became. And that's who we are becoming. We must guard his presence now. We must be bold. And we must uh, say what thus saith the Lord as the Lord moves our heart. Times, they are changing, man, someone once said. We have come to the threshing floor. And the question is, are you a house where his presence can come? Because that's what he's looking to do, to remove it and to bring it to those who worship him in spirit and in truth. And tomorrow we'll pick it up here, the psalm that David wrote. Through all these experiences that he saw, he wrote a prophetic psalm, which he gave into the hands of Asaph. And Asaph would write years later that most prophetic psalm, 74, that has come to rest right on the threshold of our times. That, by the grace of God, is what we'll look at tomorrow. We pray you've been blessed today. If there's anything else you have to say, brothers, now is a good time to do it. We love you, and we look forward to tomorrow. And we hope you've been blessed in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. What a way, what a study today again. <laughs> Just so much to glean. We've been gleaning from these uh, verses and such a parallel we see in our times. And I pray that we can reflect on these things, you the listener, and, and really make preparation so that the presence of God could come to your house and bless you. Amen. And um, we will, Lord willing, you, you join us tomorrow, Friday, as we conclude uh, tomorrow and, and continue to study the word of God. May God bless you. May God keep you. And as always, keep looking up.